0: This is the Idea Time Podcast with Dr. Joe North. Welcome to the Idea Time Podcast. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies, and interviews that will help you to achieve greater professional and business success by thinking more creatively. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe North. Hello there, how are you doing? Hope you're doing okay. I wanted to talk a bit about virtual sprints, virtual innovation sprints, today. They're something I've been doing a lot since lockdown. I was doing them before lockdown actually, working with teams all around the world, helping them get together to innovate and solve challenges and create new products and services. And I've been doing it even more and I thought it'd be really helpful if I shared some tips and things today because you know I've, I've learned a lot along the way and I just wanted to share some of that stuff with you as well. There are some slides that go with this session, so um, they'll be posted down here. There'll be a link below and do get in touch if there's anything you'd like to know or you want me to go into more detail on anything and I'll be really pleased to answer any questions you've got. So do leave any questions in the comments as well, if you're watching in replay, I'll go back and I'll answer questions in the comments as well. So we'll get started and think about how to run a virtual design sprint. And I'm going to start off by sort of saying, well, what, what is a design sprint or an innovation sprint? The, the sort of interchangeable terms almost. Essentially, they tend to be five days or five sessions long. And you can see from the roadmap here that... The first session starts with identifying what the challenge is and really uh, understanding what, you know, having a shared vision, bringing people together. And the video that I did last time on how to create a challenge statement will be really, really helpful actually for day one of your sprint. The second session is about creating some ideas. So it's the ideation phase. It's all about ideas thinking about ways in which to solve the problem or challenge. Then the next session is about taking the best of those, developing them, shaping them, so that they can become test ready for the next session. So creating early prototypes or proof of concepts or things that can actually be tested with users or with customers. And then the final stage is validation. So that's it really depends how you do it, but that, that tends to be the overall shape of an innovation sprint and there are variations according to you know what the sprint topic is how many people how much time is available and all of those sorts of things so what an innovation sprint is it's short it's focused it's a purposeful event designed to achieve solutions to a specific challenge or opportunity and it's all about bringing people together in order to do that So there can be delegates from inside, often outside the organization. Quite often I'll work on sprints that have suppliers there, experts there, stakeholders, customers, people from different teams and different disciplines and different parts of the business. So it's actually really good to have a diverse mix of people in a sprint to get those different perspectives. So that thinking diversity is super important. And they're all going to collaborate and collectively define what success looks like for the challenge, create ideas together, co-create and then find solutions that can be tested and actually made to happen. They'll turn into action plans and it's a really fun process. It can be quite hard work as well sometimes for, for delegates as well as for facilitators but it's wonderful because you really get that sense of progress Achievement and of creating something very, very special together or solving a particular challenge or issue together. Some of the types of themes or examples of sprints that I've been involved with, and there are loads, I could have filled lots and lots of slides with these, but just to give you some ideas for the sorts of things that sprints work really well for, are things like digital strategy, new product or service development, customer experience strategy, Uh, Looking at productivity and efficiency for new technology. I've worked on one last week for marketing and campaign development, bringing lots of different businesses together so they could have one coordinated campaign across an industry. That was fantastic. Ways to grow customer numbers, to keep customers Win strategies, so if you're involved in tendering and competitive bidding, sprints can be a really good way of actually kicking off and saying what's our win strategy for this project going to be and getting people together. And also to define the unique selling point or the differentiation proposition, the value proposition for an organisation, for a business, get people together to think through what that is and what that needs to be for the future. I've also been doing quite a lot of uh, innovation sprints to help organisations prepare for post-COVID recovery, for the rebuild, for the reimagining and, and progression of life beyond COVID. What the business will be like, what the markets will be like, and how to build a new and hopefully better future and take the opportunity for you know, for this reassessment, this remodeling um, to happen and go forward. And I've done that with uh, some regions, um, with some different industry sectors, and with some individual organisations as well. So the sprint process works really, really well for all of those. And what you can expect from a sprint? Well, the delegates and the facilitator all experience these things. Innovation, ambitious goals, you know, it's about being stretchy and really going for something that you all believe in, This creating this shared vision. It's pacey, it's agile, it's creative and fun, it's solution-focused. It's collaborative, teamworking is, real, really key, as is creativity, and lots of different activities to pull all of that together. Now there are different approaches to running a sprint. One of the most, I guess popular contemporary ones is the Jake Knapp book, which is called Sprint, and that outlines a step-by-step process for running a five-day sprint. It's good. It's really, really good. And everything works in there. I've, I've tried all of those and used them all frequently myself. And what I like to do is actually to curate from different sprint approaches and also to create my own approaches. So I've been sprinting for about 10 years plus, And over that time, you, could, you get sort of your own repertoire of, of ideas and things that work. And you can combine things. You can combine the ingredients in different ways and make your own recipes. For fantastic sprints and i try and make every sprint different so that's really fresh for the people who are attending so designed thinking is another sprint approach which really puts the customer at the heart the user of the product or service or solution at the heart of the whole thing as does the sprint process actually as well and the classical method is creative problem solving which was actually first developed in the 1950s by a guy called Alexander Osborne who had an advertising agency and wanted to find ways of making his team more creative, more quickly, more productively. He was a good guy because the process worked and he started to roll it out into schools in America to help children learn how to be more productively creative too. So there are different methods, so what I'm talking about really applies to all of those methods, but they all have their own small differences. But it's worth exploring them and and seeing if you can get some ideas from those. And also on my website, um, on the bigbankpartnership.co.uk website, I've got lots of blogs, free resources, downloads, videos, all sorts of things that are all about sprints, innovation and facilitation as well. So check that out. Now, throughout the sprint process, whether you're doing this in person in a room, and I'll talk about the virtual element in a minute, or or whether you are doing it virtually, you're taking people through a process where you're opening up their thinking. It's all about exploring options, creating options, and that's called divergent thinking. And then it's about selecting from those options in terms of which ones you're going to take forward, the making choices stage. And then from those choices you open up again, more divergent thinking and then more convergent thinking as you make selections from those choices. So the whole way through the sprint is opening it up, up, having ideas, deciding, making decisions, refining those decisions, opening up again. And the activities need to reflect that virtually as they do when you're facilitating in person of course. And also, one thing that's really common to happen at some point in every sprint, and I think it's a good thing, is something called the grown zone. And the grown zone is when participants' thinking moves from being open, you know, full of possibility, divergent idea generation into actually making selections, thinking about how it's going to work in practice and, you know, sort of shaping shaping that out and working out, you know, how it's going to work in practice given the different agendas that everybody has and the different preferences everybody has and that's called the grown zone and it's actually a really important part to go through and it's a grown zone because it can feel like it's it's hard work at that time and it's it's actually pretty necessary because unless those challenging conversations and that challenging thinking happens then you're going to be left with something that, you know, a feel-good experience that doesn't actually deliver something practical that people are genuinely pleased with and that people genuinely think will work the other side. And it's an important part because it generates breakthrough. And people always come out the other side, you know, if it's well-facilitated and well-managed. It doesn't have to be a real area of getting stuck. Just some, you know, some things to wrestle with, get through, and then people feel great at the other side of it so incorporate some of the ground zone as well and be aware of that when you're virtually facilitating as well as when you're doing it in person so some tips for virtual sprints firstly is to prepare brilliantly I find that when I'm working with delegates who aren't in the same physical location I have to make sure that anything I might need is ready to send out you know it's you can think on your feet you must think on your feet and be responsive as a facilitator you know have your overall plan but be responsive and agile underneath that but i tend to find that i need to have more materials ready to go because if i'm in a room with people i can you know quickly distribute stuff and they can get on with it because people are working remotely i try to create toolkits of material that i can send them out in advance And then they've got everything they need. Now, that are soft copies of templates, of canvases for them to work with. Uh, I'm not talking about physical materials, although that's possible to do that as well. I plan in far more breaks than I would if, you know, when I'm facilitating in a, a face to face, in person environment, because I just think, you know, people are on camera a lot. They're aware of being on camera. Uh, you can say turn the camera off, but you're trying to create a community feeling, you know, a team feeling as well. And looking at a screen is is hard work. So, I you know give them screen breaks, time to get away, have a cup of tea, go out in the garden if it's not raining, you know, have ten minutes to think and come back. So I do incorporate far more breaks. And I think it's really important as well to make sure that you're still reading the body language the preparation, that brilliant prep that you're going to do is about getting super comfortable with the tech because so many people focus on pressing the right button, doing the right thing at the right time when they're facilitating instead of actually thinking about the delegate experience. So if you get plenty of practice with the tech, it means you can focus your attention on what people are saying. You can listen really, really well. Uh, You can think about what's being said and where things are going and start to, you know, tie different threads together. And you'll be a more engaging facilitator as well because you'll be reading body language. You know, you can actually pick up on body language. People say, well, you can't see body language through a screen. I think you can. And I think people have got more used to this screen time over lockdown as well. So, you know, so pay attention to that and pay attention to creating a great experience and do the practice behind the scenes, so that you're familiar with the technology. Now, I was saying lots of um, breaks and time off camera, and the way that I find sprints work really, really well is to run all the collaboration and conversation through Zoom or Teams. Uh, I tend to use Zoom more. It, for me, it gives more flexibility, but I'm happy in Teams as well. I think Teams is great and with that using breakout groups so that people can have smaller conversations and set tasks, set things to think about, activities in breakouts for people to go away, work on and come back and what you can do of course is you can pop in and out of those breakout rooms, see how people are going, answer any questions and so on. Share templates and resources in advance. I often send out toolkits and you the idea is that when people are in Zoom or in Teams, they can share their screen. One person can act as a volunteer scribe and they can use the templates as like a virtual flip chart, which works really, really well. And just a bit of a health warning, some people like to use Zoom whiteboard and I like the Zoom whiteboard. So that's something that appears when you go into share screen in Zoom, there is a whiteboard option. And that's great because different delegates that can participate and add to the whiteboard at the same time they just need to select the annotate option from the toolbar at the top the challenge is that although it's great to draw with and you can enter text and use loads of space that sometimes when the breakout groups close if delegates haven't saved their whiteboard it seems to disappear never to return so use that with caution Uh, it's a fantastic feature actually It's already built in, it's free for everyone who who uses Zoom, but just make sure that people have saved it or taken a screenshot or something. Uh, Usually it saves as a .png file. Okay, so it's a really uh, good tip. And some of the templates, I thought I've got loads and loads and loads. If you're stuck for any, then let me know and I'll share them with you. But one of the templates I've used really recently, this works super well, it's so easy. Is, wouldn't it be fantastic if and this is a great activity to start visioning with to get a team to think about the possibilities really what the end solution you know could deliver the sort of thing result and outcome that you all want to create together And it's a really simple activity. You just ask people to answer the question or finish the sentence. Wouldn't it be fantastic if, as many times as they can, it opens up all sorts of possibilities. And I found using this just a table, wouldn't it be fantastic if, and then a load of space to type into. Delegates fill this up. Sometimes they fill up two, three, four slides in about 10 or 15 minutes. It gets the ideas flowing. And I ask them for their moonshots, their big, you know, the, the big goals, the big things they'd love to achieve. And you can see there are some moons at the top. So those big goals are also known as moonshots. And then at the end of that activity, I'll say, right, what are your top three? Put a moon by your top three moonshots. They're the the three blue moons there. And here's another template. These are just things I've created. They're all in PowerPoint. I've got, as I say, I've got a whole library of these. Um, if, uh, If you'd like to join my Idea Time Academy as well, which provides all these resources for facilitators, lots of templates and toolkits, then the link to that is underneath this too. So Futurescaping, uh, so here there are different themes, you can see around the edges, you put in the themes that you think are appropriate or get the delegates to put those in and then essentially what they do is they fill in how they see the future panning out over time and I've got some dates in the top there from December 2020 to 2025. This is one I've used a lot actually for post-COVID recovery sprints in terms of where we think the world will be and where we think we'll be on different themes. And it's just text that people can type over. And then again, they would highlight the top five things with one of those green stars. So as you can see, these are really simple things. Making sure that people have got really clear instructions as well when you're working virtually is important. And I'll often send out written instructions like the ones here for Futurescaping as well as do the verbal briefing. I don't actually put the written instructions on screen very often. I don't find it's necessary, but I think it's really helpful to have them in the pack so that if anybody does want to have a quick check or if they prefer reading, then the instructions are there. Some fantastic tools, so if you want to go a step further, so use Zoom and Teams and and still send out the PowerPoints and stuff, that's really great. My favourite tools are Mentimeter and Notes, and I'm going to talk to you about each of those. There are other tools available, but I love Mentimeter. So what you do is you put yourself on share screen, have Mentimeter in the browser. You can put presentations in there, and you can put questions in there, like the one on the screen, how are you doing today? Uh, like the one there, how are you doing today? That delegates can uh, answer. And essentially, delegates get a code, And they go on to www.menti.com, enter the code for your specific event, and they just type in words. And as they type in the words, they appear as if by magic on the screen in real time. It's so cool. I love doing these word clouds because you see the words move around. The bigger the word, the more people have said that word. And you can also see the bottom right-hand corner. I think you can just about see it. Is you'll see how many people have actually responded to the question. So that number goes up. You can set countdown timers and all sorts of things. It's a really, really cool tool. Delegates love it. It's really easy to use. Have a play with it. Go onto to mentimeter.com and see what's available. And I've got a few more. These are real ones that delegates have actually completed. You can ask them to, you know, vote on things using bar charts, there's loads of different options again all comes up in real time and I love this one. This is a two by two grid and you can change the axes so impact and effort and everything there from 1 to 12 was a different idea and delegates rated the ideas 1 to 12 and every delegate did a rating and that was the collective rating of everybody so you can see where it all sat so like virtual post-it notes that you move around for decision making. So much good stuff in there. And I've been recently using Notes a lot and I absolutely love it. And what it is, it's a virtual whiteboard, but there are resources that delegates can select from. So they can select from to-do lists, images, they can upload files, they can type in sort of text boxes and, and virtual stickies they can mind map in it. You can give them either a plain whiteboard for them to build their own, or you can give them templates to use and complete as well. And here are some of the templates, sorts of templates you could, these are just some examples really. Both Mentimeter and note by the way, have free options. Obviously, if you upgrade and you take a subscription or whatever, then the greater the functionality, the more you can do with it this is really a really really great tool here are some examples so there's a vision board example here so this is where delegates essentially all you do is you send them a link and they can collaborate on the same virtual whiteboard simultaneously from wherever they are so different people selecting these pictures Here's a storyboard example, you know, that some people might be grabbing that picture that you can see top left while somebody else is typing into the box and getting some text together. Brainstorming, so mind mapping. And what I found with Mylonote is it's really, really easy for people to use. Like with like two minutes of a demo on share screen, they get it and they start to play around with it and it's really, really easy and Mentimeter also is really easy. It doesn't you know, take oodles of explanation and learning. So this is for project planning. So you can actually do a project planning. So when you get to the next steps, people can put in the next steps for what they think should happen and organize it between them. And all sorts of strategic planning. And this is a value proposition canvas from the, the business model canvas as well. So just so much stuff you can do. There are other tools like Miro, Mural, Slido, and others, and I've used all of those, and they're all, they're all good. What I would say is that tools like Mural and Miro work better with a paid option. They also work better when delegates have had some time to learn the tools. They're not as intuitive, and I also find that they're a little bit more, I guess, structured and grid-like in their format, whereas I like note because it just feels a bit more approachable and a bit more visual than the other tools and also depending on browsers i've had people have find that they've got problems with myro it, it doesn't work as well for everybody whereas i've never so far had any issues with mylanote either and i do a lot of work of sprints with people that i might see once for an event and then i might not work with them again for three months or six months so mural and myro are really good for ongoing teamwork I think, you know, where you've got the same team working repeatedly together. But if you're doing the sort of work that I often do, then Milo Note is really great because people can dip in and out of it. You've not got that investment of learning that's needed. There's loads more I could talk about on virtual facilitation, but I hope that's given you some ideas. If you'd like to read more, I've got some blogs on the Big Bang Partnership website. So, for instance, virtual facilitation, the 10 top challenges and what to do about them, icebreakers for online meetings... Plus so much more. And there's um if you go to my content studio, lots of free facilitation resources as well that you can download. So I hope you've enjoyed that. I hope you've picked up a few tools and tips. Thank you very much for joining me. And it's bigbankpartnership.co.uk. And I'll see you very soon. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time podcast, brought to you by Dr. Joe North. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. For even more strategies and advice, visit our website ideatime.co.uk. Enter your email for leading insights, resources, and more every month completely free. We'll see you next time.